Hello everyone and welcome to episode, I don't even know what episode this is anymore, I probably should stop counting. Uh, welcome to the, the, the next episode of the Cinephile Diaries. Um, this show, or the, the show where I go through my letterbox diary every week, um, this week is like the complete opposite of last week. Last week was, uh, the, like, super dark, scary, sad week of, like, Skinamarink, which freaked me out, and Brokeback Mountain, which is incredible. Um, this week was not that. This week was very light, very airy. I watched basically three rom-coms, and all four movies are comedies. Um, before we get into that, obviously I want to talk about The Last of Us, and then there's one other show that I want to mention, because it's apparently going to be wildly underrated, and it's, I think it's as good, if not a little bit better than The Last of Us, at least for me. So, I do want to bring that up. Um, but yeah, go, uh, not go do anything. I don't know what I'm saying. I should really, like, prepare and plan before I start recording. But I don't, so yeah, let's get into it. So, The Last of Us, episode 5, it was episode 5 this week. This show just continues to raise the bar. I think this is probably the best episode. Uh, I don't know, episode 3 is very episode three is very good, but episode 3 is very good, and then I thought episode 4 was a better episode of The Last of Us. Like, episode 3 is an incredible episode of TV, but episode 4 I thought was a better episode of The Last of Us because it started giving us what The Last of Us is at its core, which is the story of the relationship between these two characters. This episode does something slightly different than that, where it does take the focus away from Joel and Ellie, and it puts it on two other characters. Um, but I thought it worked wonderfully. I thought it was incredible. Uh, I thought that, honestly... Once again, this is probably the best episode. Like, this show just continues to get better and better and better. And I don't know how they keep doing it. Because uh, this episode, this episode, and, and every episode feels unique. This episode had a lot of action in it. But it also had, like, one of the best dialogue moments in the series so far. And if you know... For those of you who know where this story goes, this had some of the absolute best foreshadowing I've ever seen in anything. Like, it was incredible. I love this episode a lot. The performances by the two actors playing Henry and Sam are, like, next level, and their relationship just... But all the performances in this episode... Melanie Linsky, bro. The way this episode opens... Because I saw somebody compare uh, Melanie Linsky to your best friend's mom, but they were using that as a negative. And last week, last week this was true, but especially this week, the fact that Melanie Linsky is just your best friend's mom is the scariest freaking thing about her. Um, that the opening scene where she's talking to this room full of collaborators minor spoilers. She's talking to this room full of collaborators. The just like lack of any care that she do- that she handles that scene with. She doesn't care about any of these people. Like 
and and I mean, she decides to kill them. Um, she, all she cares about is revenge and her, inflicting her pain on someone else. And she's you can tell she used to be a normal person before it started. She Kathleen was completely normal, completely human, but. She's gone through so much pain in the last 20 years that her humanity is gone. And what's left is just anger and hatred. And it's beautiful. It's incredible. Um, at Once again, this was a great episode for Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal is excellent in this episode. That, that Talking about that foreshadowing, there's a sit-down scene between... Pedro Pascal and the actor who plays Henry. There's a sit-down scene between Joel and Henry that is the best scene in the show, I think. It's so incredible. And it's such excellent foreshadowing for those of you who... Like, I literally... Joel said a line, and I had to pause the episode and just go, Oh my god. That's such great foreshadowing for where this is going. I literally, like, almost started crying. It's incredible. Um, this episode was amazing. Also, uh, Bella Ramsey continues to just be Ellie. There is no debate about that. Bella Ramsey is Ellie. Uh, yeah, this episode's incredible. This episode is awesome, and you should go see it, or watch it. The show. You should go watch the whole show, because this is shaping up to be one of the I'm not going to say best episodes of TV of all time, because I don't think I'm as thrilled with the show as some other people are, but my god, this episode, this show is amazing. This show is, like, you couldn't ask for a better adaptation of this show. The Last of Us was already one of the greatest stories ever told, but almost everything they do in this show elevates that material and makes it better. This is, yeah, this is a brilliant, this is some brilliant television. You should be watching it. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. Get on that. I do also want to bring everyone's attention to another show that's apparently underrated. Like, I don't understand how. Harrison Ford is in it. Um, this is a show on Apple TV Plus with Harrison Ford and Jason Segel called Shrinking, um, and it's about Jason Siegel is a therapist who's in need of therapy himself, and he starts just telling his patients exactly what he thinks they should do rather than helping them work through it. Um, but the show's about like a lot more than that, and maybe that's why it's kind of underrated, because it's kind of hard to pitch, but it's amazing. Like, I, I think I've talked about, I don't know if I've talked about... <laughs> My f my favorite show on TV right now is a show called Ted Lasso, which is about which is Jason Sudeikis um, plays a foot an American football coach who goes to England to coach soccer or football or real football, um, and it's the best show on television. It's the show that makes me want to be a better man. It's the show that makes me love the human spirit and love humanity. Um, it's the show that makes me a giant, corny douche. <laughs> um, 
And that show, it's on mid-season hiatus right now, so I, there's not new episodes. Um, shrinking fills that hole pretty nicely. This show makes me want to be a better man. It makes me proud to be a human. It makes me proud of the human spirit. Um, and it's hilarious. I don't remember the last time Harrison Ford gave a crap. He gives a crap in the show. Harrison Ford has some of the best comedic timing. Harrison Ford's hilarious in this show. And but but also there's so much deep psychological obviously because the show is about psychiatry, but there's so much deep psychological character work that's happening. The pilot for this show is incredible. The pilot for this show I thought they both came out the same week. I thought the pilot for this show was actually a little bit better than the Last of Us pilot. I think they came out the same week. I'm not actually sure. I don't remember. But the the pilot for Shrinking, I think, pulled bigger emotions for me. Fair, fair. I mean, with the understanding that like I knew where the Last of Us pilot was going. The la the Shrinking pilot, I didn't know where it was going because it's based on new material. The Last of Us pilot, I knew where that was going. But the shrinking pilot, I thought, pulled bigger emotions than the Last of Us pilot. Um, this show is in, this show is amazing. It's hilarious. Jason Siegel's great. Um, I yeah. I don't know what else there is to say. You should be watching Shrinking. I feel like I'm commanding a lot of my audience today. I should probably stop. But Shrinking is awesome. Go watch it. Um, yeah. Let's get into the movies now. This week, there wasn't, like, any new releases. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but there weren't any new releases this week. But, so so I didn't, like, I didn't go to the theater. But I was in, like, I was in a comedy mood. Um, also, I thought, I thought we were going to have a really short show this week because I didn't watch a movie until, like, Thursday. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know how long this episode is going to end up being, but we have a show this week. Because I watched four movies in like two days, um, but not the point. I was in, I was in like a comedic mood this week. I didn't want to watch another Skinamarink. I didn't really want to watch another Brokeback Mountain. I didn't really want to have my heart broken by a movie this week. So, um, although I still kind of moderately did, but not for not because of the movie, just mm, for reasons outside the movie pertaining to the movies. We'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, so the first movie that I watched this week was a classic 2000s comedy. I watched Mean Girls for the first time. Mean Girls, A, it's weird watching a movie that's like a cultural reset. Mean Girls, the impact that this movie has had on our culture for the last 15 years, at least in people my age and maybe a little bit younger, is wild to me. Um... Just the amount of... I didn't even... Uh, and Like, this is the movie of the TikTok generation. The amount of TikTok sounds that are from this movie. Freaking October 3rd is like a whole thing. Um, uh, the, the Halloween convert... The Halloween voiceover is a whole thing. Um, yeah, the, this movie's like a cultural reset. So I feel like... I feel like I'm a better member of society for watching this movie which is a weird thing to say. Um, but not the first time I'll say it. Not the last time I not the last time I will say it in this episode. Um, 
But, yeah. But how is the movie actually? How is Mean Girls actually? Mean Girls is awesome. This movie's hilarious. This movie's so much fun. Uh, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> just little tiny jokes that cracked me up in this movie. Um, like, towards the end of the movie, it's, I don't even know if it was meant to be a joke, but there's a big riot happening, and there's, like, at this school, and there's, like, fights and crap, and it's all insane, and somebody runs into the principal's office and goes, the girls have gone wild, and the principal grabs a baseball bat. For some reason, I lost it when he picked up the baseball bat. <laughs> I don't even know why. I just well, it's because I love that actor. I I he's one of those actors that like is in everything, but you don't know his name. The actor who plays the principal in Mean Girls is a hilarious human being, um, and I should learn his name. But yeah, this that's the thing is this movie's just really funny. It's laugh a minute funny, um, and that's I mean what, what that's exactly what I wanted when I watched it. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I will uh, also also Rachel McAdams as uh, Regina Regina George. Uh, how? Why have we just decided to start casting Rachel McAdams as like the love interest? She's this is like a trans. This I I don't even know if I actually believe this, but I have a take. This performance, my. Basically, my top three performances of all time are Jack Nicholson in The Shining, J.K. Simmons in Whiplash, and Patrick Stewart in Logan. Rachel McAdams as Regina George is just as good as those three performances. Like, because it would be so easy for this character to become a character. It would be so easy for Regina George to become... Every other Regina George ripoff in every other teen movie, but she manages to play this character in like a weirdly tender way where you almost believe her, which makes it all the more infuriating when she turns around and talks crap about uh, Katie behind her back. Like that's the that's the incredible nature of that performance is, um. The fact that she she makes you believe her in every scene. So when she's being nice, you believe her. When she's being awful, you be- that makes it all the more painful. Um, and then, like, watching her fall from grace throughout the movie is amazing. I will say, my one minor criticism of the movie... Well, it's not even a minor criticism, but the third act... Um, like, Regina gets spoilers for a movie that's 18 years old? Oh my god, 2005 was 18 years ago. I can't fathom people born in 2005 being 18. That's weird. Um, minor spoilers for an 18-year-old movie. Regina gets hit by the bus. And then just kind of disappears for the rest of the movie? Like, there's not, nothing else really feels like it happens for the rest of the movie. Um, that's my only, like, minor criticism. And, uh, Janice and... Janice should have been gay. Ja- like, that. that's moderately, you know... Janice 
what? Janice should have been gay. Like she could have been gay. Although that's nothing against uh, the mathlete mathlete guy. Mathlete guy was mathlete guy was my dude. I liked him. I'm glad he got the girl at the end because that was cool. But like, it it felt like it felt like the movie played being lesbian as like an inherently bad thing, which is which is fine. No, well, not fine. But it's a movie from almost 20 years ago. There's gonna be stuff in it that hasn't aged well. But, I don't know. I felt like Janice could have been gay. Especially when you had uh, Damien, who was gay, but of course they never gave him a love interest. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting into tangents about uh, inconsequential things. But, yeah, this movie's amazing. This is a cultural reset. This is the movie that defined a generation. Also, I watched another movie this week that defined a generation that I'm going to talk about next. But... Mean Girls is a movie that defined a generation, and Lindsay Lohan is really pretty. So, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Mean Girls, what are you doing? Go watch Mean Girls. <laughs> I'm going to listen to the musical now. I haven't actually listened to it yet. But, yeah, you should you should go watch Mean Girls. Speaking of movies that defined a generation, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. This review is going to be really weird because this movie has this movie has a lot of the same energy of my favorite movie of last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once. But the comparison is weird because Everything Everywhere All at Once came out in 2022 and Scott Pilgrim came out in 2010. But I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once first, so I feel like I'm still comparing Everything Everywhere to Scott Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim Scott Pilgrim to Everything Everywhere. Um and that I think that, that that's a part of the thing that held it back is Scott is everything everywhere feels like it's the natural continuation of what Scott Pilgrim was trying to do. Not the point. Um, uh, I mean, kind of the point because they're both very kinetically, wildly edited movies that are martial arts movies that are about um, very human concepts at their core. But like that's about all they have. In, that's about all they have in common. I do think um, Everything Everywhere is a better movie than Scott Pilgrim. That's my hot take of the day. Everything Everywhere All at Once is a better movie than Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, anyway, enough of the hot takes. Scott Pilgrim versus the World is an incredible film. One of the most quotable movies of all time. I am in lesbians with you. Um, also, another movie that kind of does queer representation better. Um, if we're talking about representation, since apparently I've made this episode about representation. I did not intend to do that, but here we are. Um, but yeah, this this movie's incredible. It's, it's... I feel like if you have a movie that's this much about... that that seems this much about my life, I'm either going to really connect with it or be a little bit put off by it. And I was a little bit put off by Scott Pilgrim. Um, just because, I don't know, I, I don't know, like, Scott, Scott has a lot of the same flaws that I do, and I don't know that he, I don't know that it showed me a way to resolve those flaws, I don't know what I'm talking about, but, yeah, this movie's amazing, this movie's still amazing, I don't care, um, the, 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 the filmmaking on display, this is one of the best edited movies of all time. The filmmaking on display is spectacular. Um, it's all it like the amount, the fact that the fact that 
Superman, Brandon Routh, and Captain America, Chris Evans, and Captain Marvel, um, Brie Larson, are all in this movie, and they're all playing villains, just makes me extremely happy. And I love the way this movie handles its characters. I love, like, Knives is, like, one of my favorite characters in all of cinema now. Knives is awesome. Um, and, I mean, Ramona Flowers, I, too, would fight seven men to the death, seven people to the death, um, to, to for the chance of being with Mary Elizabeth Winstead specifically, but also most girls specifically. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Um, this is one of the best edited movies of all time. Quality of the movie, not talking about myself. Quality of the movie. This is one of the best edited movies of all time. It's amazing. All the performances are exactly what they need to be. Chris Evans is hilarious. That's actually hilarious. Bro, I love Chris Evans. Um, all of the, the, the fights are all really creative. Um, all of the exit, all of the seven evil exes are super interesting. Um, this movie's really delightfully romantic. Aubrey Plaza. Speaking of women I'm in love with. Aubrey Plaza is amazing in this movie, and she's hilarious in this movie. Um, and and uh, his roommate Wallace is hilarious in this movie. Anna Kendrick is hilarious. Um, I, I I don't know, dude. I love this movie so much. This movie's amazing. It's it. I haven't rewatched it yet, obviously, but this movie's gonna be so rewatchable. I I could watch this movie like once a week. Not gonna do that because it would make this show very weird. <laughs> but um. I could I could watch this movie like once a week. I thought uh, Scott Pilgrim was a delight. Um, Michael Sarah, hey, he's just like me. Michael Sarah looks a lot like me. I like Michael Sarah quite a bit. Whatever happened to him? He was in Molly's Game back in like 2017, and then I don't know what the dude's doing now. Probably doesn't need to do much because he probably made a bunch of mo- money from Scott Pilgrim and Juno and. <laughs> super bad. Um But yeah, I thought this movie I thought this movie was amazing. Edgar Wright is Edgar Wright. Like that this movie is wonderful. Um and it's a movie that defined a generation. Um this is a movie that defined a generation of white dudes. <laughs> people my age. Like pe like it, people my age saw this movie when it came out. And, like, had the chemistry of their brain re-altered. Which a part of me thinks I'm seeing it a little late, actually. Like, if I had seen this movie ten years ago, I would be either a completely different person or just be more confident in who I am. Um, But since I'm seeing it now, I'm kind of like, "Eh, it's so much about me. Yeah, I'm not going to get into, like, the self-psychoanalyst. I probably shouldn't. But, yeah, I thought, I think, I did, I genuinely thought this movie was amazing. Um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie and it's a cultural reset. Like it's a cultural moment that, that, yeah, I kind of watched a lot of cultural moments and then one other film that we'll talk about last, (laughs) Um, but yeah, this movie's very good. You should go watch it. Um, if you haven't already, if you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world, what are you doing? Go watch Scott Pilgrim. It's amazing. It's amazing.
movie number three for this week um, has something in common with a film I watched last week. Someone, I should say. Um, it's a Shakespeare adaptation, and after seeing it, I'm going to call it one of my favorite rom-coms slash high school movies of all time. Ten Things I Hate About You. My God, this movie's amazing. I could you like you could kind of tell it was a Shakespeare adaptation because the way Shakespeare introduces characters is very specific. Um, and like this movie, this movie does lean into the high school tropes very well. Um, I think it does. I think it does them really well. I thought the I thought the click introduction, the way they like Mean Girls has a click introduction where you like you see which table you want to sit at with the with the plastics and all that. Um, I thought this one also had a really cre- excuse me. I thought this one also had a really creative click introduction and the types of clicks that um that they have in this movie uh, are also really interesting and make for some really interesting jokes later on. Um I don't know about later on, but makes make for some really interesting jokes. But and then um uh, the thing that this has in common with the film I watched last week is Heath Ledger is in this. This was his first American role. He had been acting in Australia for about 10 years. Um, but this was his first American role. I don't know if he was supposed to do an American accent, but he's he's very much still Australian in this movie. But that's okay, because it's he's incredible. Like, he's Heath Ledger. He's one of the best actors taken too soon. Had, he, had, had Heath Ledger had the ability to play out his career fully to like live a full life and act like act for the 40 year career that he could have had um he would he would he would probably have been in the greatest of all time conversation he won he won an oscar in 2008 after he passed away that would not have been his only oscar had he stuck around he should have won i mean i haven't looked at who else was nominated but he should have won for Brokeback Mountain, because I think his performance in Brokeback Mountain is just as good, if not. Nah, I don't think I don't think you can say it's better. Because talk about a cultural reset, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker is a cultural reset. Um, but his performance in Brokeback Mountain is mind-bogglingly incredible. Like that performance is wonderful. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. His performance in Ten Things I Hate About You is also incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time now. Now that I've seen it. Uh, and I think... I think if this movie wasn't a Shakespeare adaptation, um, it would not be as good as it is. Uh, if they hit, like, Even if it was the exact same story, um, I think because they were adapting Shakespeare... They really, really worked hard to make the dialogue sing. Because that's the beauty of Shakespeare, is the dialogue. Is the kind of flowery, at times hard-to-read nature of the way those characters talk to each other. So, then coming into Ten Things I Hate About You, you do want to modernize that. But you want to, you still want to, you want, you want to live up to the material. And I think they absolutely lived up to the material. The, I, this movie was just really, really fun to listen to. 
to listen to the way these characters talk to each other. Um, Allison Janney, who's in like two scenes in this movie, but she's in the opening scene, is hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm, I watched this movie on Disney Plus, so I wasn't expecting the opening scene to be Allison Janney typing on a computer about Bratwurst. If you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I was not expecting the opening scene of this movie to be that. This, like, this move. This is one of those movies that, like, rides... I don't know, I don't remember if it was PG or PG-13, but it rides that line really hard. Um, I, so this, this movie obviously has, like, an edge to its comedy, which helps. Um, and then... I thought this movie was... Because at, at first I thought this movie was going to be juggling too many characters and the plot was going to be too convoluted. So watching the movie untangle that mess was so satisfying. Because, like, you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character who's the young, like, sophomore who's in love with another sophomore. But the sophomore wants the cool senior douchebag um and the saw and the sophomore girl can't date unless her sister um the shrew goes on goes on a date so then the joseph gordon levitt's character the sophomore high tries to convince um is like i have to get the shrew to go on dates so i can take the sophomore on a date so he goes to the douchey senior and is like uh, and and is like if you can pay if you'll pay Heath Ledger's character to go on dates with the Shrew, then um, then uh, you can go on dates with the sophomore, even though he secretly wants the sophomore. It's it's an extremely convoluted plot, and for the first like ten minutes, I was like, how are they going to sort this out? I have no idea, but they do, and it's so satisfying and. I love the I love the journey this movie took me on. I love the I love that like this movie may, like stirred me emotionally in weird ways when this is weird. This is a weird way to put this. But when Heath Ledger is singing uh his song cuz he serenades a girl in this movie um I was laughing with the girl. I was laughing with the girl at Heath Ledger being this extremely charming, incredibly attractive man. Um yeah, <laughs> and uh, when at the end of the movie, when uh, uh, the shrew, I her name is uh, her last name is Stratford Cat Cat. She's reading this the this uh, adaptation of Shake of a Shakespeare sonnet that she wrote because this movie has meta commentary, which is insane. Like, when she's reading this, and she's reading it, and she's crying, I actually started crying. Like, the fact that the fact that I was just completely on the ride with these characters was, was so satisfying to watch, and so wonderful. Um, like, this was the perfect version of exactly what I was looking for, which was happy movies, but movies that take you on a journey. Movies that, like, fulfill you emotionally in a happy way. Movies that are happy sad. Not just Brokeback Mountain or Decision to Leave or Skinnamarink that's just sad. Movies that are happy sad. Um, yeah. 
I, I 10 things I hate about you is amazing. I could talk about, I feel like I could talk about it forever because there's so many layers to what makes this movie incredible. There's so many layers to what makes this script so good. Um, I could talk about it forever. You should go watch 10 things I hate about you because 10 things I hate about you is excellent. Um, Heath Ledger is amazing and it makes me sad that we lost him so soon. But I get to talk about one more Heath Ledger movie because I was in such a Heath Ledger mood that I watched one more Heath Ledger movie. It's not as good, but let's do it. Alright, so my final movie this week was all was another Heath Ledger movie, and it was A Knight's Tale. Um, I had heard good that I had heard like mixed things about A Knight's Tale. Um, and I'm to to be fair, I'm also slightly mixed on it. I think it's a really good movie, but like I it does have some issues compared to the like five and four and a half star movies that I've watched the last couple weeks. This was a four star movie for me, um, which I really need to work on my rating system because I'm not harsh enough. <laughs> but um, I watched a night I watched a Night's Tale, and I think a Night's Tale is excellent. I think a Night's Tale is amazing. Well, um, other than like, I think the love and I think a I think this movie's kind of trying to juggle too much because it's um a medieval fantasy with modern sensibilities, and then it's also a sports movie. It felt like this movie was trying to be too many different things at once. Um, so it does, and it didn't always succeed. And I think the thing that really got hurt from that was the romance. I never really bought into the romance, to be honest. Because, I mean, it's the, it's the very corny medieval thing where he falls in love with a girl at first sight. But, um, I thought when she was, like, trying to, I, I just personally don't really respond to, like, I need, you need to prove your love to me. Like, I, I don't really respond to that other i mean whatever i'm not gonna get into that but <laughs> i don't really respond to um trials of love and this move this movie has a very there's like a 10 or 15 minute segment that's all about the trials of love maybe it's 20 minutes i don't know but it just it didn't at that at that point the movie almost kind of lost me because he's if if you loved him you wouldn't be forcing him to lose and get beaten up and stabbed. But then, other than that, I thought this movie, this is a great sports movie. Um, the medieval setting with the modern soundtrack, I thought it, I thought it worked well enough. I thought it worked okay. Um, but the, this movie really excelled for me as a sports movie and a movie about choosing your own destiny. Because, like, I also cried watching this movie. Um, the emotional core of Heath Ledger's character, William, uh, and his dad, and the way that plays out, I thought was really, really good. Really, really solid. Um, um, and then, obviously, Heath Ledger's amazing. Alan Tudyk is amazing. Uh, the actor whose name I can't remember who plays the other squire is amazing. Um, he was just in a show earlier this year called The Rig, and I was like, I know you from somewhere. Watching a nice hill, I was like, I know you from somewhere. 
and he's from the rig, although he did a Night's Tale first. I talked about that a lot. Weird time. I hate it. Um, but, oh, um, the entire cast of this movie is pretty amazing. Uh, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. The, 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 it's just a really, really good sports movie. Like, it's just a really, really good at, like, taking you on that emotional journey and helping you feel the victories. Um, it's not, oh, Paul Bettany. I haven't mentioned Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is hilarious in this movie. I love Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany's amazing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Paul Bettany played Vision in the Marvel movies, and then he plays Chaucer in this movie. The, uh, the, uh, the, um, the, the writer slash hype man. His hype man scenes were, like, my favorite part of the movie. Um, no, his hype man compared to the Adamar's hype man, who would come out and be, like, very uncertain. That, yeah, that just really worked for me. And then Alan Tudyk, um, there, there are, like, arguments in the way they would fight each Alan Tudyk is just an OG in this movie. Alan Tudyk is amazing. I wonder if this was before or after Firefly. I don't know. But, like, it's weird that Alan Tudyk never, like, launched into a, A-list stardom. I mean, Alan Tudyk is a, na- is a name, but he's not, like, an A-lister. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought A Night's Tale was a really solid little sports movie that, that, like, has all the emotional payoff you want, has all of the, um, the, the roller coaster ride of watching a movie like this that you would want, um, even though I think, I think it's a little bit, it's too long, it's trying to be a little bit too many different things, and the love at, the, at, the love story just kind of didn't really work for me, um, I mean, at points it did, but most of the time it didn't really work for me. Um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about a Night's Tale. Um, Heath Ledger's amazing in it. Heath Ledger's amazing at whatever he does. Was amazing at whatever he does. Um, that's my big. That's the big thing with this with this week is in memoriam to Heath Ledger because I wish we had gotten more from him. Um, cause he's an incredible performer with so much range and he was a gift and we lost him way too soon. Um, but yeah, you should, uh, you should go watch a Night's Tale. Go watch everything Heath Ledger did. Not just Blood, not just Dark Knight. Don't just watch the Dark Knight, a Dark Knight, the Dark Knight. You should watch Heart Brokeback Mountain. You should watch a Night's Tale. You should watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. A Night's Tale's good. Heath Ledger's awesome. See you in the, well, I gotta do the outro, but yeah. Go watch, uh, A Night's Tale. The end of that last segment got very weird, and I don't know why. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, that's the four movies that I watched this week. Um, my biggest recommendation from the week is you should watch Shrinking on Apple TV+. Plus. I don't know if I mentioned that in the actual segment. But Shrinking is on Apple TV+, Plus and it's awesome. Harrison Ford's amazing. Jason Siegel's amazing. Um, yeah. And then the actual like best movie I've watched this week is 10 Things I Hate About You. It's the only five-star film I've given a first watch. Because I, I talked about Puss in Boots, and I gave that five stars. 
10 Things I Hate About You is the first film I've watched this month for the first time that I gave five stars. And it's it's pretty amazing. You should go watch it. Um, yeah, uh, that was my week in film. Uh, this week is a this week is a pretty big week. Um, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. I've been pretty open. I think I actually don't remember what I talk about on these shows. To be honest, I've been pretty open about how I'm a little bit skeptical about this one, just because it looks like a CGI blah, but. I'm interested, and I th- I think it I think it has the capacity to surprise me, and be very interesting, but um I don't know I I'm yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it I just I don't know man, but yeah that's that's what's happening next week also whatever else I watch between now and then uh we'll see you then have a great week y'all bye bye.